0: Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome back to Thread, episode 114. Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. Well, Sherry and I just got back from the U.S. We went there for about six weeks and traveled around two of our kids got married in one week on opposite coasts so we were busy and their weddings were beautiful but they were kind of out in the woods so there was a lot of things to haul out and haul back but made beautiful pictures and it was a glorious natural place to make their covenants with each other But I'm back in the saddle and I'm ready to get rolling on more Thread Podcasts. And uh, while I was in the States, it was great to run into some of you people that are listening to the podcast and want to say howdy to Jake down there in Texas and to other friends in Texas. Actually, for some reason, San Antonio is a big city for the podcast. A lot of people download from there. Well, today we're in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15 and we're going to talk about the foundation that Scripture needs to be in all of our life. You know, God's Word is the bedrock of our faith, and it gives us something to test new teachings against. And we have the truth of God's Word that will keep our mind thinking what God wants us to think. And today's story is actually a very encouraging story about mature, Bible-loving people who break the stereotype of narrow-mindedness, and although they love the Bible and they're, they're devoted to the Scriptures every day, that does not close them off to new ideas, and they just keep growing. Now, in our last podcast, we were in uh, the first verses of chapter 17, and we saw the kind of typical thing happen. Paul, it's a typical sad scenario, it happens to Paul over and over again, He goes to Jewish synagogue because he's part of that community. They are the people that have uh, been entrusted with the scriptures, and they have held these scriptures at the cost of their lives for centuries, and they have preserved the words of the prophets for us and copying them by hand. We have the Psalms, and we have the, the Torah, the story of the beginning of the world, and the law of Moses, and the background story of the children of Israel, and so many things that, wow, we would be ignorant if we did not have this knowledge. And the Jewish people preserved this knowledge, and they were engaged in a weekly worship of Jehovah, and they gathered around the Word of God every week. And you would think that would be the most life-giving environment that you can imagine. And, and for many people, it was life-giving, and so Paul always went there. That was the first place he would go when he wanted to bring the gospel to a city was he would find the Jewish synagogue because they were sort of pre-evangelized. They already knew the scriptures. They believed in Messiah. They knew he was coming. They just didn't know who Messiah was. And so Paul just came to complete the message and show them in the scriptures how clearly uh, prophecies have pointed to Jesus and all the all the amazing uh, seemingly contradictory prophecies that are fulfilled in his life. And, and they're not contradictory at all, you know, because he, he can be out of Bethlehem. He can also be out of Egypt. And we know the story, he, you know, he Raised, born in Bethlehem, taken away in the night to Egypt. And as the life of Jesus progresses, he just fulfills all these prophecies in the Old Testament. And Paul would go to these new cities and he would Uh, with his team at a risk to their own lives, bring God's new revelation and God's word of salvation. He would tell them about the kingdom of God. He would tell them about Jesus as Lord over their sin and sickness and shame. And some people in the synagogue grabbed it like fresh bread. But to the core conservative religious group, In most of the synagogues, and especially there in Thessalonica, Paul's sincere presentation and his delivery of God's offer of salvation rolled right off them like water off of a duck's back. And this is the bane of religion. You know, one of the poisons that is in religion, and it's, it's inevitable that our spiritual search does become something of a religion no matter how hard we try to keep religion out of it. But there is this certainty that you are right and that you know the truth. And then you start defending the little truth that you know, and you develop this prideful antagonism against new truth. And so when God brings new truth to you, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always match up perfectly with the truth that you know. Now, all truth is God's truth, and if you just listen, the thing will fit if it is true. It will fit with God's truth. But, you know, people stop listening, and they've got this little bitty body of truth, and they're so scared it's going to get corrupted and taken away from them. And, like, truth is so fragile. And so when someone brings a fresh word, they rise up against that fresh word. And, you know, this is what leads to the death of all the prophets. They bring God's message to the people, but it doesn't agree with their nationalism or with their culture And so they just close their ears and and kill the one who brings the message. And that's pretty much what happened to Paul. In Thessalonica, one more time, he had to flee. And he had to leave town, and he went to another city called Berea. Also went to the Jewish synagogue, and this city was a teaching center. And this Jewish synagogue was a solid teaching center. This synagogue was, was different in its spirit. These people were very dedicated to the Word of God, but verse 11 says that while they were mature, Bible-grounded, spiritually sensitive people, they were still God-worshippers, and they were seeking the Lord's revelation. So they, they knew the old ways, they knew the foundation of Scripture, and like the other people, they were surrounded by paganism and the constant assault of paganism against the truth of God's Word. And so, you know, it's understandable sometimes when uh, right-wing conservative Christians, they just hunker down so hard and they stop listening to anybody. Uh, And even in their enemies, you know, the people that they perceive as the enemies of the gospel, sometimes those people, they're not necessarily enemies. They just have questions, and they need to be able to voice those questions. And if it is a true faith, Then it is a reasonable faith, and we should be able to discuss these things and listen to people. But, you know, a lot of times people just harden up and close down because paganism is always assaulting the truth. And yet, somehow, in the town of Berea, these people remained open. They didn't let their maturity and their years, basically their years in church, close their minds. They kept their minds opened and they remained seekers of truth. Now, my doctorate is in something called spiritual formation, and spiritual formation is the study of how people grow and develop spiritually, and how how Christians throughout time have sought to get to know God, and all the different methods, and all the excesses that we've gotten into, and, and uh, it's a fascinating study. And one of the things that that we studied was a, a teaching called The Way of Unknowing. And it's kind of, uh, it reminds me of something from college. You know, We, uh, we called the first year students fresh men. You know, They're brand new, they don't know how to find the cafeteria, and they're just fresh. Everything is new to them, and they need a lot of ha- hand-holding and helping. The second year student has a very unique name, and, and there's not a name like this. In the whole academic process, the second-year student is called a sophomore, and if you break that word down, "soft" uh, would come from the word for wisdom, and so they're very wise. And then "more" is from "moron," so they're they're brilliant idiots. And the problem is they've had a little learning; they've had one whole year. Of learning and often we become puffed up with all that we know and we even start sometimes putting those two words in our sentences constantly if anyone is is even attempting to instruct us and so um, you know it's the second year we're brilliant idiots and so sometimes we even start to say oh I know I know whenever someone is trying to bring us new instruction because we are so focused on everybody knowing that we know. And so the, the thing I like to do when we have a batch of students here at Media Light is I do this, this illustration, and I draw a big circle on the blackboard, and I say, okay, this circle represents all that there is to know. There is nothing that, there, that is known that is not inside this circle. This is, this is all truth. This is all knowledge. It's there. This is God's mind. Now, Of all that there is to know, how much would you dare say that you know? And so we we take a very bold step, and we make a tiny dot in the middle. And then I talk about the way of unknowing. And the problem is, see, what we will do is, and then I draw these big arrows on the board to point to the dot. I draw these arrows from all directions, what we do is we start focusing on what we know, and we want everybody to know what we know. And so we're constantly facing what we know, and we we repeat what we know, and we show it to others, and we we want them to understand just how much we know. And that is the, the problem with a religious person. If you could approach life with the way of unknowing, Then you take what you know and you stick it in your backpack, because that is your possession. And now you face outward from what you know into all that you don't know. And you ask questions and you treat everybody like they are a a resource of knowledge, because they've all learned things that you haven't learned. And you've got all this available resource out there that you can take into your heart. So... That's the way of unknowing, and that's what the Bereans appear to have have captured in the heart of their Christian spirituality. They weren't building fortresses. Uh, They were opening the door. They knew the scriptures. Now, the natural fear is that openness to truth will lead us into doctrinal and practical errors as we invite pagan concepts to come inside the gates of our mind, and this is a true danger. You know, way too many Christians— critically embrace whatever's trending in culture. Uh, My family and I have lived in Asia for over 20 years. We're surrounded by Eastern mysticism, Islam, Buddhism, animism, superstition that's at the root of all religion. I mean, when I look outside my window even right now, I'm looking at a Buddhist temple on a hill. I hear the gongs all day long. Uh, Christ warned that false religion and the spread of false doctrine is one of the signs of the last day. So it's not like this isn't a risk. But the Berean synagogue, they weren't gullible, and they weren't unguarded. They received the word. Verse 11 says, they received the word. You know, Paul says in his writings, do not despise prophesying. Receive the word of God with eagerness. And it said in, in this verse that the Bereans received God's word with readiness, you know. They had an opening for new truth from God. They had made a space in their mind where they knew they did not know, and they were looking for God to bring them something new. You know, when you go to church, you need to open your mind and say, Lord, speak to me. And it doesn't matter who's speaking or how well they speak. Uh, God will allow that person to start some thought in your mind that can bring you a fresh revelation from God. I never go to church without a notebook. Uh, I'm not just taking notes on that person talking though. I am listening for the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I want God to speak to me. And the Bereans wanted God to speak. And it said they received the word with readiness and... You see, it's not either or. They received the word with readiness, this new prophecy, and they searched the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. That's how they decided what they believed, not how well you made your argument or how funny you were or how many other people believed you. They wanted to know, where is this in Scripture? And you have to be careful, even when you're looking for teachings in Scripture, you have to look for the whole counsel of God. If someone can just show you one verse, you can rip a verse out of context, you can twist them to mean all kinds of things, because context is everything when you're trying to communicate to people. But basically, if you, look, if you have a plain reading of the Scripture from the Old Testament through the New Testament, you're going to get a feeling and a sense for the heart of God about everything. And you'll be able to know what is important to God, what God loves, what God hates, Um, You know, some people get all uh, specific about end times prophecy, and they just, like, live in that world. And, and, you know, that's a fascinating study, but there's work to do right now, and there's life to live right now. And whenever Jesus comes, He's going to come. And there's not a whole lot you can do about that except be ready and be working and be watching and be waiting and be loving Him and loving people and seeking the lost, live the life he called us to live. So, you know, sometimes people get into these, um, I don't know, it's like their pet theology project, and it's, it's almost like a delusion. It, it stifles them from doing anything, and all they do is want to read and talk and discuss and watch and live. That's what the kingdom is about. So the whole Bible, not a proof text, The Bible is our touchstone. It is a definer of spiritual truth. If you know your Bible, you're not going to be led astray. We need to know our Bible and stay open to fresh insights and revelation from God because God's true revelation will never contradict the plain reading of Scripture. I want to follow the Berean way. Watch the fruit. When someone's coming along and they're they're a notable teacher I want to ask some questions. I first want to watch the fruit of this teaching. What does this teaching do to people when they accept it and run with it? For example, prosperity gospel, what does it do to people? Uh, My experience is it makes them shallow, this worldly, and they start to focus on very passing material things. Their whole focus becomes the selfish gathering of riches for themselves. That's not the fruit of Christ's teaching. Look at the tone of the teaching. Look at the character and the lifestyle of the one who's bringing this teaching. And does all of that and their word line up with the whole scripture? Does their life line up with the scripture? Does the fruit and the lives of the others who follow this teaching and the others who surround these teachers, you know, is, is that, is there good fruit in their life? Can you see the Spirit of God at work and the love of God in the the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit alive in their life. You know, God has a lot to say to us, and we can have both a solid doctrinal foundation based on Scripture and an openness to charismatic gifts, personal revelation, dreams from God, and fresh teaching of God's truth through messengers He sends to us. Let's keep growing, but let's follow the Berean way. Well, that's all for today. I would love to hear from you. If you've got questions, send me your questions. If you want uh, Sherry and I to pray with you about anything, just send it. You can write my personal email, Chuck at chuckatquinley.com. And if you would, uh, go to quinley.com slash love, and you can give us some social media credit there. Let your friends know you're listening to the podcast and that you're enjoying it. Uh, Quinley.com slash iTunes, and give us a rating on the iTunes network. That'll go a long way toward causing the uh, the public to know more about this podcast so they can find it easily when they're searching for spiritual truth. God bless you. See you next time on Thread. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Log on to quinley.com. Thread.